not only are we going to New Hampshire, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Online at healthreformexplained.com. We're talking this week about merger activity in the insurance marketplace and its impact on you as a consumer. And we're joined by our uh, expert uh, contributor on the insurance industry, uh, Stuart Sloan, president of SIG Consulting, talking about our last segment about uh, whether or not we thought Obamacare has uh, reduced competition. In this segment, we're going to take a look at the Medicare business, Stuart. Uh, 10,000 people a day eligible for Medicare, or is it up to 12,000? Somewhere it's in between. between. Well, depending upon who's doing the count, it's between 10 and, and 12,000 people per day, baby boomers uh, per day, uh, turning of Medicare age. So the total Medicare enrollment today is at 55 million. Expected membership is projected to rise to about 68.4 million in 2023 according to the Centers for Medicare and, and Medicaid Services. So total enrollment in Medicare Advantage alone is $16.8 million. You know, that's, that's where the growing segment is. Mm-hmm. More and more seniors are enrolling in private health plans for Medicare benefits known as Medicare Advantage plans. So today, Humana and United Healthcare uh, provide coverage for nearly 40% of all people enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan. Cigna and Aetna together cover an additional 10% of the Medicare Advantage population. So some of these merger acquisition deals that we've been talking about uh, have a greater effect than others on the seniors and the Medicare Advantage program. For exa- if, for example, if Cigna accepts a takeover offer from Anthem, Anthem's market share would increase from 17 to 24%. Um, you know, and this is going to vary in terms of these five top insurance carriers and what portion of the Medicare Advantage marketplace they opt into as a part of their business. So uh, today, beneficiaries have on average a choice of about 18 Medicare Advantage plans in their area, but there's less competition, uh, and this could lead to higher, uh, you know, premiums. If pre- If premiums go up, too much, beneficiaries could return to traditional Medicare. And that's the choice of the consumer out there in that, in that age bracket. Can we, ta- can we take a look at you know the difference between traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage? What, 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 what is the advantage, I guess, for Medicare Advantage? Okay. In the Medicare fee-for-service option, which is what we call regular Medicare, reimbursement is independent of recorded diagnosis. In other words, the government sets down uh, certain precepts in terms of what it will pay for procedures, and that's it. And that's government-directed. And that's been that way uh, and was revised in 1993. Under Medicare Advantage plans, which use, which use private insurers, they, they pay for additional items, uh, eyeglasses, dental, a couple of extra goodies in order to attract market share. But like managed care, 
they control access to to care and and providers. Uh, with regular Medicare, you can go anywhere in the United States. With Medicare Advantage, it depends upon uh, what the availability is in a given state, in a given marketplace. And the diagnosis used in Medicare uh, Advantage plans uh, are controlled and reported by physicians using a risk score. The higher risk score yields higher payment. And so, you know, insurers incentivize physicians to upcode these diagnoses in order to maximize their subsidy. So you see uh, heavy utilization, heavy payment for preventive care, and then questionable payment for serious situations. One of the problems that we're seeing, uh, and is, is given to us by the Medicare uh, government agency, is that enrollees in Medicare Advantage plans generate six to 16% higher risk-based scores than the same people would generate in regular fee-for-service Medicare. So excess payments in Medicare Advantage are totaling about $10 billion annually. This is obviously something the government is going to fix between now and 2018. They're already going to, in the ACA, that's one of the ways that, uh, you know, they, they offset some of the cost of the law was, you know, going after these Medicare Advantage additional payments. They're paying double that's payments exactly for right. certain procedures and so on and so forth. Yeah. And when we look at the Medicare, uh, you know, it, or what I, almost industry, I don't even know what you'd qualify it as, but you said 16 million of the 55 million are on Medicare Advantage. So that's yep. 29%. Uh, how do you think it's going to be, say, five years ago, five years from now, uh, if trends continue? Are, are more people going to trend towards this Medicare Advantage, or do you think they'll go towards traditional fee-for-service? I think until the government starts, uh, the, the government makes a decision to start uh, pulling back in terms of funding of Medicare Advantage with the extra money that's going to Medicare Advantage plans, you're going to see uh, many people gravitate to that. When they realize on a per-claim basis that the more serious claims are going to be scrutinized, uh, they're going to try and, and, and they can always come back to regular Medicare plans uh, without worry about, about insurability. That's the safety valve there. And I think you're going to see two things. Medicare Advantage plans are going to be more expensive. You're going to see less of them as government funding is pulled back. And I think somewhere between 2018, 20, uh, or, or 22, or 23, when the larger numbers come to play, you're going to see, uh, you're going to see almost an even-steven situation in terms of number of people going into Medicare Advantage plans versus regular Medicare uh, with the freedom that people in regular Medicare have to go anywhere in the United States for a provider who accepts Medicare. I see. I see. Healthcare 2020 is going to be an interesting year, won't it? Yeah. And we just had an interesting development the other day, uh, actually on Thursday, uh, Medicare has proposed payment changes to hospitals for hip knee uh, knee replacement. Uh, it's the proposal designed to hold hospitals accountable for an entire episode of, of care or treatment from surgery through 90 days after discharge. 
hopefully to cut back on multiple uh, you know, episodes in the hospital from from those uh, surgical procedures. Yeah, this is a very real uh, change. What what what's happening? Um, do you think insurance companies could copy that type of uh, model? I absolutely do. I think we're coming to a point where the spread of discount for PPOs uh, in either individual plans or in group plans is coming to the point where if there's only a 2 or 3% differential in discounting and uh, some of the physicians are not accepting some of those payments and are attempting to balance bill patients who are presenting with either an HMO or a point of service or a PPO uh, type of a, a driven plan, I think what you're eventually going to see is, just as you and I are discussing now changes in regular Medicare and Medicare Advantage, I think you're going to see a movement towards uh, Medicare reimbursement for the under-65 segment of the marketplace, regardless of whether an individual has an individual plan or a group. That's the future. So, We're moving away from regular fee-for-service uh, reimbursement to Medicare reimbursement. So does that essentially mean it's single-payer then? No. No? Okay. No I, think, no, I think there will always be a place, uh, particularly in an employer marketplace, for a risk-based type of, of uh, medical plan approach, uh, whether that's on the individual marketplace or the group marketplace, um, I, I just don't see a single-payer uh, system in the United States anytime soon. Okay, interesting, interesting. We're talking with Stuart Sloan, president of SIG Consulting. Uh, let's turn to uh, some other news this week, um, another merger, but this would be, I guess, uh, more on the broker side of things, uh, the Willis Group and uh, Towers Watson. Uh, first of all, who are they, and uh, what's the value of that merger? Okay, uh, that's a huge uh, merger. Uh, Willis Group Holdings uh, is a European insurance broker, one of the largest in the world. Towers Watson uh, of Arlington, Virginia, uh, is a human resource and, and actuarial and benefits uh, organization, generally for the large employer marketplace. Uh, Willis is headquartered in London, um, and and obviously, as I said, Towers Watson is in Arlington, Virginia. The the benefit of this is, I mean, this is a huge merger. The benefit of this is, with them being headquartered outside of the United States, it's going to have huge tax implications uh, to this merged company. And you're going to see more and more of this. Uh, they really have started what what appears to be uh, a movement here. Of, of large brokerages and also large benefit consortiums uh, around the world. Wow. Interesting. So that they, they could just do, be able to become international? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I guess well, they, they already are. are but, yeah, okay. they are international. Wow. So what, what does that mean for, um, you know, the industry in general from a broker standpoint? Well, I think if we look at the large employer marketplace and, you know, the word large, everyone is using the accountable health care definition of large today, which is uh, employer groups of 51 plus, which will turn into a definition of employer groups of 100 plus. I think you're going to see large brokerage organizations 
uh, like Towers, uh, you know, Watson, who formed, you know, organizations, uh, multiple organizations like this with large uh, brokerage operations uh, like Willis, I think you're going to see a continuation of those mergers because, again, in that segment of the marketplace, in the large employer marketplace, everybody is aiming for scale. More bodies means less cost, means greater negotiation skills, means uh, greater uh, positioning in the marketplace. And that's what they're all aiming for. Wow. We'll see it here in the States, and we'll see this abroad. Wow, interesting stuff. Uh, let's take one more time out. Uh, you can hang around for another one, Stuart. We want to talk about sure. uh, reinsurance next segment, uh, among other things. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge. Check out healthreformexplained.com, and we will be right back. <laughs> 